When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know of anybody else that does or did what you do for any other radio show? I can't imagine there aren't people that do that. Um, actually, when I was trying to find, when Bean was doing the Richard Blade bonus episode, he asked me if I had any of his air checks from when he was on the air. And, and I didn't, unfortunately. And I thought for sure I had something, but I didn't. But I went online and there is still a lot of you know tape trading sites where people have audio from things. Um, I have a handful of things since I've listened to KNX news my whole adult life. Um, like there is a peace signing in Israel or something. And there's a, you know, some other you know, big deals where they had live broadcasts. I would record some stuff like that, but there are some tape trading sites that I feel like might, you know, lead me to things like uh, the Scientology stuff. So there are people who definitely do that. Um, no, nobody that I know. I did want to mention as an aside um, and I never, never uh, was able to really listen to Stryker and Klein. I love Stryker, didn't like Klein. It was hard to listen to. It was upsetting because it was in the spot that should have been Kevin in the morning. But um, I started, my K-Rock recording just kept going because it's an online service. So I have the first however many months of that show in its infancy before they even started doing podcasts. So someday when that show becomes something that somebody wants, I've got these shows that were never made into podcasts uh, <clears throat> and i kept recording now now that they um actually have a podcast i have been downloading that podcast just kind of for historical purposes and it's like if i had been able to record kevin and bean in the early days when it was terrible and it was nothing that was you know really worth recording let alone you know i would love to be able to go back and you know correct that so maybe someday striker and klein you know the, the the brief time striker and klein did a show together in the morning might be of something of interest so i have stuff like that i was just looking for like maybe a rick d's uh archive somewhere no well uh, <laughs> I, I don't think many people knew but i did for a couple of years have the mark and brian archive just oh. just just the domain and so if you put in mark and brian archive.com it just came to my site and it was just like an inside joke that i forgot to share with anyone i think i finally i think i did tell bean about it once well, now um, it's out there well, you know, awesome. I don't, I don't pay, I don't pay for it anymore. This is, this is years ago. You know, this yeah. is closer to when Mark and Brian were still on the air. Um, and then um, when Kevin in the morning took over, I actually got Kevin in the morning archive and had a, the archive. And now that I think about it, maybe I should look at getting Kevin and Sluggo archive. Sure. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you still get tapes and stuff from people or submissions of anything online, perhaps? or I, I haven't in a while, but if I look back through and I'm really bad with my Kevin and Bean archive email, uh, especially since Ralph and Allie and Bean always have their daily you know, emails saying that there's a new post or there's a new survey or a new this or a new that. And uh, I can't figure out it's a kind of an archaic email client. So I haven't been able to figure out how to filter through that. So I spend an hour the other day just kind of dragging things into folders manually 
And so now I'm like, oh, these are the people I still need to get back to. People are searching for things and somebody who had offered or said they think they have stuff. And I'm like, yeah, please, please, please. Somebody said they, they knew they had a bunch of cassettes and they were looking. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that will turn up something. Nice. Um, so it's not as common, but, you know, it does occasionally happen. And I encourage it too. I also have many recordings that I haven't put anywhere because it's music and, and music and copyright and, and on demand and stuff is, is an issue. But I have uh, many of the live weenie roast and, and um, almost acoustic Christmas. If they broadcast it live, I was able to record it. And back before I had many discs to do the long form recording, I would record onto um, VHS cassette. So you just plug in the audio only from the radio. And so I have some cassettes of like, you know, the 90s, you know, acoustic Christmases and early 2000s stuff. So I, I don't know what, to, I haven't edited that stuff. I think I might've done it once, but I got to figure out what to do with that. But mm -hmm. I know it's something I'm going to be able to post for public consumption. Um, so now there's just a question that I had for you and just kind of an aside. Um, somebody, you were, uh, you guys were doing uh, Kevin and Sluggo and somebody made a comment about how they were using the phrase two for the crew and they couldn't hey, figure that out what me. that that what that background sound was and it, it sounded like this or that and it was actually the motorcycle that starts the song and it ends the song oh. when they're driving away oh. so, okay not a lot of big motley crew fans here and i'm not a huge fan but i know that song and i'm like that's the song you're not <laughs> gonna find a lot of motley crew fans in the kevin and bean universe no well, i know and you know it's funny because uh you know i Liked K-Rock music for a long time. And I think sometime in the 2000s, I had kind of outgrown it and, and or it went, you know, in different directions. You know, I, I, I did like Imagine Dragons and... and uh, Fireflies? Who, uh, I, do like, I do like those quirky things. The Bamba, who sang, you know, the classics. No, who sang uh, when Kevin sang Kerosene? Um, oh, like the Interrupters? That. Thank interrupters. you. Interrupters? Really like them so much that I can't remember their name when I need to pull it up. But, you know, that's just aging, I guess. But um, but that KLOS, I mean, I was listening to KLOS, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s. And I grew up on that stuff. And I, you know, I love all those bands. I don't like hearing them all the time. And I don't even listen to them all the time. But every time I edit and there's another Motley Crue, there's another Pink Floyd, there's another Van Halen. And sometimes they'll play the same artist twice, you know. And I know it's radio when people are in their cars flipping around. And that's, you know, how radio works. But it's, it's crazy that, you know, this is stuff I like, but I don't even want to hear it. Uh, yeah, the, well, the last couple of Kevin and Sluggo clips ended with an ACDC song coming in. Yes. That we played. Yes. Well, it's funny how that works. I feel like K-Rock always had these random, these random things that they brought in. And I never really understood why they were playing songs. Like, if I can remember, like, the Avicii song, that's completely off-brand, in my opinion. Or, like, even when they were playing Eminem, I'm thinking, like, this is a rap song. Like, I don't understand. So it was always these little things peppered in. And then towards the end, and they're up Billie Eilish's ass. And I thought, like, what? This doesn't seem K-Rock at all. Although, yeah. no criticism there, because I like Billie Eilish. But I was kind of like, this. it seems to be a weird, like, one-offs that now they're just, like, kicking into high gear. Well, I have limited, I have some, some but limited knowledge of, of, of that kind of stuff, just having been involved in college radio my whole adult life at, yeah. at UCI. But I had two friends in the 90s who both applied for the music director job at K-Rock that Lisa Warden, their longtime music director, eventually got. But a couple of my friends, you know, I'd gone up there and interviewed and stuff. Um, but, you know, I just know that there are two, two 
two possibilities. One, that they're trying to expand, expand and, and, and see what else they can do to attract more listeners or different listeners. And the other part is there seems to be a lot of pressure from the uh, record you know, labels. There used to be a, a deal where um, I think like Mondays, uh, the music director would see people from the label who wanted to come in your face and push this you know, new song from this new artist or this, you know, artist. So, you know, I don't know how much that worked on stuff versus the, the research, but there are a lot of things that go on behind that. And, you know, to the average listener, or even to me, it's like, this just doesn't make sense. And I know that there's a reason they do it. It's not like they just like, Oh, what's in the mail today? Let's put this on. Oh, okay. You know, it's, there's, there's something behind it, but it often to the, to the average listener or to the faithful listener doesn't make sense. Like, you know, Limp Bizkit, or I think, did K-Rock used to play Kid Rock, I think, in the early days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, I think so. Yeah. And they were the first to play Tone Loke, uh, the wild thing. I remember <laughs> hearing that on the radio, like, what? You know, it's interesting because um, I don't remember what year that would have been, but I had, uh, in my early days at KUCI in like 86 or 87, he came up and did an interview at KUCI. And it was a couple of couple of years later when he actually released that album. It's like, oh, <laughs> Anyway, you brought tone look and brought back my tone look feelings. Uh, did you post on our Instagram about a favorite Trube memory? I I put uh, Kiss at the in '92 and they did a warm up show. You actually just boat. reminded me of something I hadn't thought about in 25 years. I had a not at the Trube, but at a, at a local bar, sports bar, the Tiki Bar in Costa Mesa. I played with the band that I was auditioning for, and I don't remember. I must have I must have known it was an audition. I remember just seeing them play and the guy saying, "Okay, meet us at the warehouse. We'll practice. Then we'll." And so I I played one time with them and nothing ever happened because I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> well, not surprise you, but I have a spreadsheet, a database of my concerts that I've gone to in the last forty years, and there's like you know six hundred and sixty or so now. So I've been to to most of these venues. Sing Kiss at the Troubadour, and there are a few other artists there. But uh, you know the Palace has been wonderful. The Wiltern. Uh, but the Hollywood Palace, though, I saw Nirvana there uh, when Nevermind came out before they kind of hit. But one of my favorite memories is at the at the um, what'd you call it? The um, Palladium mm-hmm. when Sonic Youth played and their opener was Nirvana. So to see Nirvana when they're an opening band and to, you know, kind of look back in that arc of their career was just pretty crazy. I've been fortunate enough to you know have a lot of those little stories of, you know, like I saw the Goo Goo Dolls in uh, 88 playing a, a bar in Huntington Beach on a Sunday night, and there were eight people in the audience. Wow. Yeah, That's I mean, it was crazy. one of those deals where all the, you know, the opening bands bring their family or friends, and then they all bail, and, the, you know, the Goo Dolls was, was not a, a household name by far, and so stuff like that. And then back in you know, the early 90s, KUCI had the benefit of having, um, you know, Sublime and No Doubt. Oh, uh, one of the many bands I was in in the 90s uh, with other friends, uh, we were in a punk band, and we played this um, – uh, Mexican restaurant in Garden Grove on a Tuesday night and we got a chance you know we play anywhere you know if you're a garage band you take any chance and uh, we ended up we were opening for Sublime and that was back when Sublime was actually just known as like this this sort of like uh, reggae band that you know people didn't really think of them as punk but I remember sitting around watching them after we played I'm like yeah, this is not for me <laughs> these guys aren't, aren't going to go anywhere Oh. <laughs> I didn't say that, but still, the, some of these stories <laughs> that got about. So anyway, so the Palace and the Wiltern, and and uh, especially those shows at the Palace. But you know, I got to see Iron Maiden and and Anthrax and other bands like that at the Palace. Uh, I saw Elastica at the Palace. Is that possible? Have I thought about Elastica in the last twenty five years? No, 
<laughs> that Garden Grove restaurant. Yeah, I think there was a famous restaurant in Garden Grove. It was a Mexican restaurant that was like a hangout back in the day for like no doubt. Was that the one? I bet there are more than one. There's probably more no, than it was one. one that they were known to go to to all the time. I, I just wondered if that was the same one. I don't think so. This was this was like a family restaurant, and they did happen to have a stage, but it, you know, it was probably for more you know traditional Mexican music. And then just one night a week, when they hardly had anybody there, they would let you know the bands. I don't know if I I'll have to Remember talk the to. Uh, I I don't, and I've been in the area where I feel like it was, and either it's not there anymore, or I'm, I'm misremembering it, and and I'm you know, I'm still Facebook friends with with the singer. And I'll have to reach out to him sometime and ask him some questions. I'm sure he won't remember either because that was probably 90 years. <clears throat> the other thing I want to mention about my website uh, is keeping other things, you know, like the snippets. You're aware that I occasionally post hundreds of little things that I pull from the shows. You know, something that somebody says, you know, all the times Kevin struggled. I don't know if you remember, but I put together a, um, I don't know, like a three-minute uh, montage of Bean inhaling every time you turn on the mic and inhale and, the, and you know, he said, Oh, I don't, I don't do that. And like, here you, here you go. And then there was another time. Uh, what did I, um, did I do a montage of the vomiting? Probably not, not that, but similar things. No, and then did. I did. Okay. Vomit? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That got funnier and funnier to me actually. It did. And, and then they had the, uh, the comedy llama, which was a thing in 2000, 2017. And I wish I, I, I wish I had paid more attention to the beginning of the, a bag in the desert bit when Bean was going to be put in a bag in the desert and Ralph just went <laughs> ran with that and ran with that and it just got funnier and they're going to you know oh Ali they're going to be two bags in the desert and you know or we can share one bag and all that stuff and, and every once in a while Bean would realize when he had crossed Roger Lakes I know a bag in the desert but um but uh, those opening uh you know audio montages that Bean did I I love those obviously and I got you know several years worth of him putting some of my favorites like Coop Delicious and and uh Nick, the, the sign holder, I'm going to get so I like to, but I have thousands of those. I kept those just because I love those. Well, I love what he did and I love clips in general. And so I have in, in a separate folder, I think I had taken some of them down, but uh, I've got enough space. I'm going to put them all back up. And then just all the little, little things of theme songs. I've, uh, well, you know, all more theme songs. And one year I put together all 60 something of the theme songs he had made and so all those little things I, I like to do as well. That's, that's, you know, I enjoy having people be able to listen to whatever they want, but then some of that's more for me. I should say, I always enjoyed Laquisha too. I just see Laquisha's name pop up here. So that was another, another thing. They like shortened that towards the end. He, Ralph did, and he would just say like bag desert and everybody would yep. just understand what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. Or like I said, I said most recently, like to Christopher, I will end you. And that is exactly what Ralph. Yes. A direct quote, quote from Ralph Garman. Yes, and I need to use that in my day-to-day life because that's so perfect. Oh, I've started uh, saying it at work too, and people are like, what are you talking yeah. about? Do you guys ever I, do I will this? end you. <laughs> that, yes, that. Do you guys ever remember where you were when you heard something on the show? Meaning like, I can think of a, you know, if it was not like a showbiz beat, but it was like, you know, I remember being by the washing machine when they had the burp, the alphabet contest and the guy had created that drop. Like, oh, I just threw up. And, you know, there was a, a prom disaster and I was, you know, working out in the backyard and I went around this particular corner when money was talking to the guy who was, you know, Mr. Mustache Club or something like that. So there's just so many things. And 
I don't, those are a few examples that, that come to mind, but if I happen to be listening to something old, I'll remember, Oh yeah, I remember I was driving to work on this or I'm, you know, so it, it's interesting, like, you know, how you make these kind of connections to these audio memories, but you just capture where you are and you make that connect. I don't know. Sorry. But you, I got one. Yeah. I was, uh, this was one of the first things I ever submitted. So this was early on in the email game. So I thought, Hey, if I could email the guys, I'll send them in something. So I made a montage. This was about the Clippers. So I sent it in to Bean and Kevin. And I still remember I was getting on the five freeway. And Kevin starts off, oh, we got this thing from a listener. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to play my thing. I don't remember who it is, though. I'd lost the email. I'm like, I'm almost driving off the road. So I still remember that day. I was getting on the five freeway, and Kevin sandbagged me. Thanks, Kevin. I'm bringing that up when you come on, Kevin. Kept the two that me. I can, the two that I can recall are Ralph getting fired and being in, in a work parking lot, uh, hearing that and being devastated, and then the most recent, I think it was either the most recent or like maybe a few years ago, the Halloween one where they both did, they played the so much crappier song and they did the gargling incident, and I remember being at home for both of those and just yeah. losing my shit. So and? many good times. Christopher, Jen. Sorry. Um, let's see. I remember when Ralph uh, was talking about Lincoln. I think that one really hit me really hard. And I yeah. know I know, I was um, just about ready to leave and about to turn off the stereo in, in my house. And then I was like, oh, I had to stay. I had to just stop and just, just listen to the whole thing. Um, I remember a lot of times, though, there was just hilarious moments where I would just pull into the parking lot and I would be late, like maybe five minutes, just because I had to finish a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the one that I, I always remember as being like just a really sad moment. And just, I guess those are the kind of things that stick with you as the tragic moments a lot of the times. Yeah, sadly, sadly so. Yeah. So uh, well, um, one I remember, it was March 2008. I'm going to say March 4th or 5th. And I was working in Colorado in an office building where you have like a cubicle. So you don't have like your own office or anything. And I'm streaming K-Rock. And it was great because Colorado was an hour ahead. So I got an earlier version of it. And over the weekend, they had had a Laker game and the Los Angeles Marathon. <laughs> so evidently oh. parking downtown was a night or anything downtown that day was a nightmare. And I want to say it was a day game. So they kind of overlapped whatever. Oh, my Ralph losing his shit that day. I sat in that office. I start laughing so hard and I'm trying to be quiet because I know everyone can hear. Everyone else around me starts laughing. They're like, what are you listening to? But how do you explain that to people in Colorado that don't understand? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, that's kind of burned into my head. I, I agree with you. Uh, the number of times, first of all, living in Atlanta, the number of times that I've had to kind of like randomly explain what I'm listening to or what I'm doing to people is really funny. But also like the first few years of my job, I worked in a cubicle and everyone else was quiet. So I have a lot of memories of like hearing certain things and being in my cubicle and laughing and getting in a lot of trouble because I made so much noise. Uh, do we all remember where we were when we heard the penis sickle story? Yeah, I was walking back into the house and I stopped by the washer over here. Yeah, I totally remember that. I don't, you, but I've you know, listened to it so many times now. I remember getting ready for high school and turning on the radio and going, who the fuck are these guys? And it was Kevin and Bean. 
it was the it was the nineties. It was the, their very first show that I heard. I remember going because I remember it was Blade, uh, Richard Blade in the mornings, and then when I came off of vacation, Christmas vacation, I turned on the radio and I was like, "Wait, who the hell are these guys?" And they were just playing. You know, they were they were just talking and all other stuff, and I, I just I thought it was hilarious, but I thought it was very weird because they were very uncomfortable at first. Yes, and they were very campy and like, yeah. You know, but I tuned in a lot for the new detective and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, John Frost was amazing. Yeah. I have a question. That will lead into a question I want to ask each of you is, how did you first discover Kevin and Bean? And how did you first discover my website? Um, how did I discover the website was basically Kevin and Bean talking about it. Um, so I listened to Kevin and Bean on the way to high school every morning, um, which was an hour. So I, I'm from Manhattan beach and I went to Notre Dame Academy, which is in West LA. So our commute was about an hour and I would just listen to the one little piece. Um, and then cut to, I moved to Atlanta in 2009 and was trying to like find remnants of my, of LA to kind of like assuage my homesickness. And, um, I started, I think I saw, I found your website first. And then I realized that I could also stream in the morning. And the nice thing about East coast time is it's between, it was between 9am and 1pm. So it was basically half of the workday that I could listen to the Kevin and Bean show and then listen to your stream. And it actually became a, a huge thing between my then boyfriend and myself that when we, we would take these cross country road trips and we would download your, or not download, but we would listen to clips that you had provided. And when you talk about the show biz beat, like that was one thing that I, like I put my foot in the sand on was that like, I would listen to all five. And so it like your site became like a really formidable part of our relationship and my like young adult life. I could start crying about it if I talk about it. So someone else talk. Cool. This was, a, would have been about 93, I suppose. Uh, I clean pools and my little sister would go with me on Fridays to clean pools. So she was about 13. So here I was a very, I was a square back then. I listened to like, remember KMPC with Gary Owens? Yeah. It'd be more bland pop stuff. So she's like, we got to listen to K-Rock because she wanted to be like her big sisters. So I'd go, okay. So I put Kevin and Bean on and I would say half the time I was just tuning it away. Remember they did a thing called what's in Doc's butt. Yeah. I'm sitting there with my little 13 year old sister. What's in Doc's butt? I'm like, Kristen, no. And I would change it. And then I eventually became obsessed, and she teases me about that till this day. She's like, I got you into that. You owe me. And so now I'm doing a podcast about Kevin and Bean all these years later. I just remember, because I'm like you, I'm an audio enthusiast, and they're like, we can't find this clip. Where is it? Oh, let's check with Kevin Stockdale. So they would check with you, and I'm like, this guy's my man. Oh, that reminds me, another thing I had to tell you. I mean, for a while, I was on a big roll. I would get clips on Kevin and Bean all the time. I'd get emails read by Ralph. And I'm like, I'm Kevin and Bean's number one fan. Then I went to your site, and I'm like, holy crap. I'm playing <laughs> for number two. It's over. So I'm not worthy, Kevin. You're the man. Well, you had more interactions with him on the air with all the content and all the emails. I was always impressed by that. But thank you. Now, once I saw your website, I even told my wife, I'm like, I thought I was number one. No chance. <laughs> Um, so I moved to Los Angeles in 1996, but I waited tables till about 2001. So I would listen, I would flip on the radio like you do. And so then 2001, I started working in offices. And so then I started listening to K-Rock in the morning. Um, so, and I kind of just 
kind of it was just such a good show but you know like play chili peppers like switch it whatever um so and i want to say i moved so then i was streaming a lot because i moved away um so i'm wondering i can't say how i found your website but it could have been me just searching kevin and bean um because i know by the time i moved back to la in 2010 i was fully aware of it um but then maybe it was from kevin and bean i don't really know i just i know I just remember searching for stuff to find with Kevin and Bean because of my obsession. So I don't know. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you did. And there was a stretch of time and I haven't checked lately, but if you put in Kevin and Bean in Google, my site was like someplace on the first page, yeah. despite all those spam emails I get about, you know, search engine optimization or whatever. Right. But uh, yeah, you don't need but, it. Uh, so um, I grew up in the same town as Lindsay. So same thing. I My parents would let us pick the station in the morning. And so I would pick K-Rock and it would be Kevin and Bean. And if my conservative Lutheran school mother would not approve of quite a lot of the things that they would have, but still kind of turned her around. And I actually, I found your site years ago when I moved to Australia and I couldn't get the show. And between I had friends that would stream it to me, I would go on your site and would I found my way past the corporate ad block and mm-hmm. would go ahead. And that's how I would catch up on it and stay informed. So very cool. While you guys were sharing those stories, I had two other thoughts about things that you will probably probably remember and appreciate. But remember when they had a relationship with Ryan Seacrest and when he was on his meteoric rise? Um yeah, and then they gave him a hard time, and then he thought he, Ryan Seacrest thought he was going to be fired once, so he was trying to talk them up to you know hire him to be on the show or something. But um, yeah, actually, I remember that very well. They um, they were talking about having ratings meeting, and actually, both K Rock and Kiss FM aired versions of this interview with each other. And at the end, Ryan Seacrest like jokes like, "Oh, who are those guys again?" And then I think Kevin and Bean had a similar thing, but it was about ratings meetings and the fact that they were always in these meetings where people were saying like, "Your ratings need to be better." And and Ryan Seacrest was like, "My rating, we're number 1." And Kevin and Bean are like, "Yeah, we're like right behind you basically. We we were just in one of these meetings." So yeah, that that was <laughs> a funny thing. I also enjoyed um all the um the the hate for Rick D's over the years that will always make for good radio. And I ended up meeting him. Um, occasionally use it as my, um, my image on social media, but uh, there was like an opening of some, something, I think it was a, a, a kid's radio station at, at uh, UC Irvine's hospital and in, in, uh, UCI medical center. And like, Holy cow. And I'm like, try to back away. I'm like, I, I you know, and I remember standing off to another place and he got closer to me and he came up there and introduced himself and he was the nicest guy. I'm like, man, you're not the guy they're talking about. You must be a different guy. But um, the other thing that, that brings me great joy is to think back. You remember when uh, doc and Lisa had to carpool for whatever reason and Lisa recorded him and they played that uh, all the things they did. Oh, and how about Kevin annoys you? Oh, yeah, how about this? How about that? Yeah. Or, or the leaf blower. leaf blower into leaf the blower. office, right? Yeah. <laughs> or how about uh, probably the all-time classic is the bathroom interviews. Oh, those were yes. so great. We, we need to bring that segment back for our podcast. Did they talk about that on the B team? Yes, they did. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. 